0: Welcome to the ARPA Animal Rescue of the Week
1: podcast, featuring outstanding organizations around the country that are helping animals and the people who rescue them. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Dubert.com. Dubert is a free website designed to connect volunteers with rescues and shelters, and the only site that automates rescue relay transport. Let's meet this week's featured animal rescue. Pawsco is located in Colorado and is all about changing lives. They want to make a difference in animal welfare. So they take a comprehensive approach that involves being proactive with outreach, addressing current issues, and being a resource to existing organizations. They have three areas of focus, spay and neuter to prevent unwanted pets, pet food drives to keep pets with their families during difficult times, and adoptions to work as a resource to shelters and assist animals in need. Hey Tiana, welcome to the show. Thanks so
0: much for having me, I'm so glad to be here.
1: Of course, we're really excited to have you. I know you guys are doing some really awesome things over at POSCO and uh, why don't you get us started with the history and and where you guys are located and kind of tell us what your goals are.
0: Absolutely, Um, and thanks again for the opportunity. So POSCO is an organization we've been around in our current format for about five and a half years. Um, We're located in Denver, Colorado and Um, really have a focus of serving our state. So about 85% of the animals that we work with on our rescue side come from Colorado shelters, um, and we're really focused on partnering with local shelters. um, We're in the urban area that we are currently, and also in our rural areas and our communities out there. Um, But what makes our organization a little bit different is that we take a really comprehensive approach So we look at how we do spay and neuter out in our rural areas where they are under-resourced and don't necessarily have access to regular spay and neuter clinics um, to prevent the problem. We work on a pet food drive with our food bank of the Rockies, our local food bank. And that is um, an effort really to keep pets in their homes. And that was something that even started before our organization began in its formal setting um, as a, a project that was done through the community. Um, and again, to keep pets in their homes. And then we have our rescue side, our adoption side, where we have a foster-based organization and we really work to help animals who aren't able to be served through our shelter partners um, and bring them into foster homes. So our real mission is to help animals across all three of those platforms, um, the animals that really need us the most.
1: Very cool. I like that you guys have three dedicated areas uh, and you're focusing on how to make those better and how to help those in your community. I think that's a really cool piece. Thanks. Um so I'd like to kind of dive into the three of those a little bit more and talk a little bit about some of those partnerships that you have working with shelters in your area. Um I think before we get into that though, I'm curious. So five and a half years is a fairly new yeah. organization. Uh have you been with Pause Co. that entire time? I have.
0: So um So POSCO has an interesting history in the fact that um, Kristen Desmarais, who is my co-founder, was doing spay and neuter outreach um, in Colorado for many years before POSCO came into existence in its current format. And when I was doing a lot of work within shelters and kind of living my animal welfare passions in my volunteer sense, um, I was also working on my master's um, in business administration. And one of the tasks was To write a business plan and so I wrote a business plan for what a rescue could look like that maybe operated with a little bit more of a business approach Um, and so in talking with some of my mentors I was chatting with Kristen, and she said you know it would be really great if we could just combine our two efforts and so we were able to recreate POSCO and there was a renaming process from the organization that she had had and really in its current format with all the volunteers that we have, and we're a completely volunteer run organization. We've been in existence, um, for that amount of time for the five and a half years. So it is pretty new, but definitely has, um, more established roots in the spay neuter, uh, world. And both of us have been in animal welfare for longer than that.
1: I love that. You know, that's something that's pretty unique. Uh, actually, uh, I I can't say that I know anybody else uh, (laughs) in that position. Um, you know, so I think the people that, you know, that are out there that might be listening to this from any background, you can, you can get involved, you know, she's got the spay and neuter background and you've got the business sense and it seems to be a, a great pairing for you guys. Yeah,
0: it's actually been a really interesting, um, I, I love what you just said that anybody can get involved and make a difference because that's something that we really focus on within our team. Um, we have about 40 people on our leadership team and these are the individuals doing the day-to-day work. So You know, we have people who are serving as our director of adoptions, our director of intake, um, a director of vet care, things like that. But these are people who serve as social workers and attorneys and engineers by day. So we talk a lot about the fact that we um, are kind of animal avengers by evening um, and weekend. So this is what we do in our spare time.
1: I love that. And 40 people, that's that's not a small number for an organization.
0: Yeah. And that's just our leadership team. So we have About 40 people who are really dedicating a significant amount of time to this organization Um, and we really attribute that just it's we have developed an incredible team culture over the course of POSCO's existence and um, all of those individuals continue to bring on more people Um, but we have about 300 volunteers with our organization as a whole Um, and one of the things that we've really prided ourselves in in terms of those leadership roles is that there's a lot of autonomy And people are given a lot of resources, um, not necessarily financial, but like infrastructure and process driven. And um, there's a lot of teamwork and collaboration among the teams. And so it makes it feel like you're really making a big difference when you're able to, you may only be able to give, you know, two hours of time a week, but you can really make sure that those two hours
1: count. Yeah, I love that cuz that was going to be my next question for you, right? With 40 people in leadership roles, how many volunteers do you have? Well, you answered that up front. And 300 is pretty significant. It sounds like you guys, it sounds like a well-oiled machine. You know, and what you've been able to do with Posco and I think with your business background that probably is a large part of of where that comes from. Um so the relationship building is a is a key piece for you, would you say?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the neatest things to see with Posco is that Um, by learning what people are interested in and learning what their skills are, it's something where you can really help them find the right fit in what roles they might take on with the organization. So, you know, not necessarily, none of us are, you know, a transport director by day, right? Or understand how to, actually the most interesting one to me is our vet care director is an attorney. Um, And so she obviously didn't have a veterinary background at all but sure. she's very detail-oriented and she, um, you know, really wanted to work hands-on with the animals and so that was an opportunity that really fit with her interests and her skills. And so, um, as we are able to figure out what really drives people, then you can help find the right role for them and help them grow within that role and give them the autonomy to, you know, implement their big ideas and to, um, we structure our teams such that we have small groups. We have a senior director that runs our animal relations, a senior director that runs our brand management, and a senior director that runs our operations. So within, e- within each of those teams, there are um, you know four or five different teams that are working together, and those are groups that really do work together on a daily basis. And so they form um, understandings of what each other uh, does within their role and how they can help each other. And so the the team atmosphere, really, I attribute a lot of the success and the engagement of our volunteers to the ability to work together and have a lot of support from the people that are surrounding them. Nobody's really on an island at POSCO.
1: I love that. One of the biggest challenges, you know, that we hear uh, in doing these podcasts and just in general conversations is teamwork um you know and this is kind of an interesting industry where that doesn't always happen um so i love that you guys are embracing that and the group that you have with you uh in your community seems to also embrace that Uh, and i think those are the things and people that are gonna change this industry for the better right by working together we really can save more lives and really that's what we're all after absolutely yes i think that's key I yeah. think just
0: that shared sense of mission, and in our leadership team retreat this year, we developed a POSCO culture statement, and so just really looking at like who are we and what do we want to make sure that we um, represent as an organization to the animals that we work with, to the people that we work with, to one another, um, and I think it's really important for teams to think about that, um, whether you're in a business or a nonprofit, really uh, finding kind of that common thread and an identity as an organization is critical.
1: Yeah, now working together, you know, is is an important piece. And you mentioned a leadership retreat, Uh, who came up with that? Because I think that's a great idea. I think it, you know, everybody has their own life and does their own thing, but to come together for the one common cause, I think is really important. But as a volunteer organization, that has to be hard to do without the commitment of each person. How did that retreat come about? How did you get everybody on board? I think that's an important piece that maybe others out there can can benefit from. Sure.
0: Um, you know, the POSCO retreat for our leadership team is something we've actually done since the beginning. Um, you know, I think it started off, I'm trying to remember the first year where we hosted it. It might've been like at my house or something, but <laughs> since then, um, you know, we've been able to grow it and it, it's a really important thing for us because it gives anyone who's starting fresh so much of what we do in our organization is behind the scenes and so we're having you know we're communicating with each other via email or text um, and a lot of times there are so many roles within our organization that don't even get to meet or know the animals one-on-one so to remind people of why they're involved and what their role in the larger um mission is 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 so important and so having that retreat is an opportunity for us to invest in our team um, as a leader i'm a huge believer that if you invest in your team on the front end and give them the resources and the onboarding um, and help them to connect with other people on the team and make some meaningful relationship um, it changes the course of how they will engage as volunteers within your organization because. You're empowering them and you're giving them opportunities to connect that they might not otherwise just find if they're only emailing back and forth. And so a retreat is a big part of that for us. Um, So we try to make it fun. We try to do some kind of a professional development thing that they can take home um, into their normal lives, um, whether that's with their families or their jobs. Um, You know, we think that POSCO is a great opportunity for Our volunteers to really get some real life skills whether they're working on fundraising or they're working within our Salesforce um, programming and learn that we actually had a volunteer recently get a job based on the fact that she helped us implement our Salesforce um, CRM so it's just really neat to see how people can gain skills that maybe they wouldn't otherwise have an opportunity to in their jobs and so the retreats a big part of just investing in them as people and also investing in their engagement within the organization. So giving them opportunities to understand what one another does, understand what each other's goals are, um, and meet each other as people. So I think that um, it's been really important to us as a really great way to kickstart our year and our leadership team.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love every every bit about that, right? Because as much as it is about the animals, it's about people as well.
0: Yeah. Something we really say is that you do what you can when you can, and I think that has been a really perspective shifting idea for a lot of our volunteers and that people there's animal welfare is a very overwhelming and draining world to be in because you see the very worst of society and you see the very best of society and um, you know, sometimes it can just get to the point where you feel like you're not making, there's no way you can make a big difference because you're just one person. Um, and so that realization that we need to take care of ourselves and each other, and that sometimes, you know, even as the one of the founders, I don't foster all the time. I take breaks. I let my animals have breaks. Um, and we have people on our leadership team who've never fostered because that's not something that they feel is a good fit for them. And so they can contribute in different ways. And so I think it's a good reminder for all of us that we all have different things to give and different times in our life and we need to have grace with each other and with ourselves. Um, and so it, it's just a really important concept that we can take breaks occasionally, we can allow other people to have that grace and we just do what we can when we can.
1: Yeah, I love that. That's great, Tiana. And I love do what you can when you can. That's that's a very cool, very short, to the point, and meaningful statement. So let's talk a little bit about the three divisions that you guys have: the spay and neuter uh, program, the pet food bank, and then the adoptions. So why don't you tell us a little bit about where that started, where you guys are at now, and kind of maybe if you have a you know if you have a, a forward vision on that, uh, on where you want to be.
0: In a way, I hesitate to speak for Kristen, but I I think I can capture it a bit. And of course, if anyone's listening and wants more information, they can always reach out and she can probably represent it better than I can. But, um, you know, Kristen's been doing spay and neuter across the state for um, upwards, I want to say, of 15 years. Um, and so she has seen quite a shift in what um, the state of Colorado looks like. But, you know, spay and neuter is so important. And I think we all know this is just getting ahead of the problem and preventing um, unwanted litters and more litters and more animals um, entering our shelter system potentially and so um, it's a great opportunity for us to um, reach out into our communities and understand what they need and we hear that from a lot of them in our rural communities that they just don't have um, enough resources in that in that sense so uh, really what we have been doing over the last several years is starting to target in on a couple communities that really do have the greatest need um, or a great need, um, recognizing that there are several in our state that have substantial need. So um, a couple years back, Kristen um, purchased a spay and neuter vehicle, which allowed us to go into communities. Um, previously, we were doing most of our clinics in garages or churches or things like that. So the spay and neuter clinic um, allowed a little, or the mobile clinic allowed a little bit of flexibility there, and. Um, I think that there's some really exciting things happening in the spay and neuter world because um, in Colorado particularly uh, we have several groups doing spay and neuter in different reaches of our state and so there might be opportunities in the coming years um, for all of us to collaborate a bit more and to understand a set level of best practices and understand how we can work together to make the greatest impact. Um, Spay and neuter has been a great component for our organization because in being out in those rural communities we've also been able to start to establish better relationships with those shelters which then in turn is an opportunity for us to um, assist those shelters with animals that already are in their shelter system Um, and i mentioned before posco really works on helping the animals who need us the most which for us really means animals who don't have other options within a shelter system so if they're a fearful animal and um, A shelter doesn't feel like they're the best place for that animal um, or if they're an animal that needs significant medical care or something like that we've really focused on helping those animals Um, and so spay neuter has been a really important part of helping us establish those relationships and have a presence within the communities that really addresses those community needs um, but also allows us to connect to the dots for other services that we provide
1: very cool are you seeing um a reduction in the amount of animals um, that you guys are that are out in the community right is that number coming down have you seen any substantial progress
0: i think it's fair to say that there has been progress within the state of colorado Um, you know we work really closely with our partners at the dumb friends league um, and with a lot of our urban and rural shelters and I do think that we're seeing different animals within our shelter system. We're starting to see more medical needs and more behavioral needs. Um, And Colorado has been lucky. We have PACFA, which is the um, Pet Animal Care Facilities Act. So we have um, an actual office within the Department of Agriculture that checks in on every group that works with animals, um, groomers, breeders, rescues. Um, And so we have some standards within our state that are across the board. Um, So I think that we have been lucky and that there has been a lot of collaboration within our animal welfare um, community. And I do think that, you know, I have a kind of a mindset that if we can utilize a lot of our urban shelters in the front range to take a lot of our animals that maybe we do have an overpopulation problem in our rural settings if we can bring those rural animals into these urban shelters there's a lot more demand but then also our urban shelters have more resources typically to address medical and behavioral needs and have a better understanding of which animals um, they can place up for adoption through their shelters and which animals they might need rescues like POSCO to assist with. And so if we can have a little bit more of a flow and this consistent uh, partnership between all these different groups we really can help more animals because rescues aren't taking the very easily adoptable animals and it's just the nature of rescue and foster-based programs that if animal is in a foster-based system it typically takes a bit longer for them to get adopted so if that animal who's an easily adopted animal could go into a shelter and get adopted quickly and then rescues can help animals um, and this is POSCO's mindset i'm not speaking for other rescues but um, if those animals are animals that POSCO can focus on Um, then we feel like we're helping animals and helping get animals out of the system rather than certain animals staying in the system for longer periods of time because they aren't able to be assisted through a shelter setting. Um, So I think we are starting to see a lot of changes and that spay and neuter and TNR has really started to shift the the numbers in Colorado, Um, but that's certainly not to say that we don't have new challenges that have come about at the same time.
1: I mean spay and neuter is always one of those things right that that people struggle with and that's why I kind of wanted to spend just a few minutes on on what that program looks like for you guys and what the overall state right what what the overall um, outlook on the state is just because Mm -hmm. people are always looking for different ideas and different context uh, you know around the spay and neuter piece so I think it's really cool that You guys went out and and got a vehicle and you're collaborating with organizations around the state now you guys are in denver you know where are some of the other organizations the rural organizations that you guys work with is it the entire state is it just surrounding areas outside of denver
0: yeah so some of the um places that we're currently working is um canyon city is an area that we've spent quite a bit of time in um that's about two two and a half hours from denver um pretty directly south. Um, We've also been working in Alamosa and the San Luis Valley. Um, And those are some of the areas that we've seen the most need. Um, Alamosa is a bit further south, uh, closer to New Mexico. It's about a three and a half, four hour drive from Denver. Um, I guess it depends on what car you're taking. If you're taking a big van, it takes a little longer. Um, So, you know, we have lately been really focusing our efforts in those communities because um, they are communities that we have really noticed a, a large demand in, but there are a lot of rural areas that out, even in our east Eastern Plains, um, we previously spent quite a bit of time in Burlington, um, and since then, which is out near the Kansas border, um, but since then, we have had a group within Burlington, um, it's the Eastern Plains Animal Welfare Association, IPAWA is what they go by. Um, they actually are continuing to do their own spay neuter clinics. So I think our, our upcoming focus is really helping communities become self-sufficient um, in whatever way that looks like for their community. If we can really dive into a community and go a little deeper and help to provide resources that will allow them to be more self-sufficient in the long run, that's really where we want to go with this. Um, and I mentioned that collaboration, I think that there's still some some really good room for our spay and neuter uh, organizations within the state of Colorado to come together. Um, we've had some great partners with the um, Animal Assistance Foundation um, and the Colorado Humane League, which is uh, an offshoot of Dumb Friends League, but does a lot of rural area engagement. And both of those organizations are, are very focused on trying to figure out how we can all come together and utilize our resources in the best way possible and the most efficient way possible. So we're really excited for those conversations to continue. But I think that's a really incredible um, model, is if there are opportunities for spay and neuter organizations to work together in a state and to understand what one another's doing and utilize one another's resources in some way, even if it's just understanding best practices um, and like SOPs and things like that. But then also the opportunity to Come together and look strategically at spay and Neuter as a state, um, and you know we all know that foundations are much more likely to fund things that are collaborative um, and show a, a good understanding of what other organizations are doing. So I think that's the next frontier for uh, Spain Neuter in Colorado.
1: Yeah, I love every piece about that. Right? It's again, it's about the people and the community and working together. And I, you know, I don't think we can hear it or say it enough that those relationships, people, and process of working together is really what we need in this industry so I think you guys are definitely headed down the right path and I I'm really excited to see what that looks like uh, as you guys start to work with more and more organizations um, in the state of Colorado so very cool Since you're a volunteer-based organization Uh, I'm assuming that you have lots and lots of fosters why don't you kind of talk to us a little bit about what that looks like
0: So our organization, this is kind of originally where my mind went when I was thinking of starting an organization, and um, it's been really fun to see all the different pieces that we can bring together to really make this a more powerful organization together and a more efficient organization. Um, On the adoption side and the rescue side, um, we have about 80 active foster homes, um, which is a good group, but again, we really try to make sure that people are taking breaks when they need to, and that animals um, are going to, people who have the right situation for that animal, um, and ensure that we have a good fit. So we have several teams that really focus on making sure that people have a good fit. Um, The process of animals coming to POSCO is that we have developed relationships with our rural area shelters, um, and again, front range shelters. A lot of our animals do end up coming from rural areas, but we, actually have a google sites list um, that we put together where people can see our fosters can see a photo of the animal and a description of the animal um, and understand where it comes from and all the information that we know about it and they can actually scroll down a website Um, for years we did a really convoluted spreadsheet with photos attached and people always had a hard time figuring out which photo goes to the animal's description and things like that so we've really tried to make it a more um, foster friendly approach where just using a Google site, which is a free service. um, We can put the photo and the description right on a piece, uh, right on a website and people can scroll through and see um, dogs and cats that are available for them to foster. And then we have really had our team do a lot of work in understanding what our fosters need, helping our fosters understand that we really want them to pick an animal that's the right fit. So um, if they, you know, work all day and have a crazy evening schedule and they're never home, and all those things, probably a puppy or something like that is just as an example, not a great fit for them. So helping people understand like what the right, right fit for their family might be. And then once an animal comes to Posco, we really pride ourselves on being, providing a lot of resources to our fosters. So we definitely have um, pet food provided. We actually entered into a partnership with Hills. And so we receive all of our pet food from Hills and their, their program for, shelters and rescues. So it's their um, Hills Food Shelter and Love program. So we work with them. So all of the pet food is provided for our fosters. We also work with um, just some of our local pet stores to have um, ongoing supplies. So people can expect that as a foster with Posco, They have every supply taken care of from food to treats to toys and crates and beds and things like that. But I think, and I think that's a pretty common practice, but we also do have training provided for our fosters. Um, We also work with all of vet partners to make sure that foster pets have all of the medical needs taken care of. So that can range from, obviously, we get every pet spayed or neutered, have them vaccinated fully and have them microchipped. But if animals need surgeries or um, further tests and research on kind of different, rashes and things they have going on, we certainly address those things too. So we assure that by the time an animal gets to adoption, they have their needs covered. And even for animals that are undergoing like heartworm treatment or something like that, if they do get adopted, um, we continue that treatment while they're in their adoptive home. So I think that's something that's been really key to us making sure that we provide, we're kind of an animal's best advocate, is to make sure that they have all of their medical needs met while they're in our care.
1: You know, one of the things that I think is really important, especially for fosters, is having resources available to them, right? Things happen, emergencies come up. Yeah. uh, And having a team, right, or a resource that you can go to uh, for those emergencies, I I think is key. Um, The other cool thing that you mentioned is that you're partnering with local groups, right? Whether they're vets or your local pet stores, you know that kind of thing. I think is again, it's it's another really cool piece of what you guys are doing because you're involving the entire community. You're not just solely focused on on one group or one area that you guys are using all of the resources that are out there that can be available to you. So I think that's really important.
0: Yeah. We've we've really been lucky to have an incredible community around us and I think sometimes it really is just asking for them to step step up and help. We've had a lot of good really good luck with just asking. It's, you never, you know, they always talk about like the worst thing that can happen is they say no. So, we've certainly had our fair share of that too.
1: <laughs> it's definitely a challenge, but I think you have to, you know, for the animals, right? And for the community, yeah. I think you have to take that risk and I think most of the time you're pleasantly surprised with with the outcome. Yeah, I think that's true. So 80 fosters and so working with other organizations when you post that animal, is the animal still with the other organization before they come to you? Does the foster have to sign up before you bring them into Pause co? How does how does that process work?
0: I think that every organization probably morphs this over time. But, um, you know, originally we would take, you know, like a foster be like, oh, you want to foster? That's great. We'll figure it out. Um, we've gotten much more regimented and what that looks like now within our organization over the last, it's probably the last four plus years, we've had this in place where... Our fosters actually need to go through our volunteer um, orientation, um, fill out a volunteer application, go through a volunteer orientation, um, do a background check and everything before they are actually allowed to even be a volunteer with the organization. And then if they would like to be a foster, they go through an additional training. So um, we certainly know that fostering with our organization is not for everyone. There are many more steps um, than probably some other rescues have. but. We've found that by putting our fosters through that additional um, those additional steps, they've actually, we have more retention because the people that choose to foster really do know what they're getting into. They have some additional training um, in place. We also provide, um, in working with uh, some of our additional partners, we work on providing them with training opportunities so they can learn more about what training an animal looks like so when they bring on a foster they're not going into it um, in the kind of little bit in the dark Um, and to your point earlier we really do have a team that's kind of ready to respond to their questions Um, you know we as a team respond to emails within 24 hours much much faster most of the time Um, we always have an emergency number and things like that that fosters can access so but they do have to go through that process on the front end Um, and then the animals that we're posting on our site that we share with our fosters are with other they're with shelters when we post them and these are animals that shelters are telling us that they need assistance with, and so um, any of the animals that our fosters are interested in, then we can come back to that shelter and say, you know, Sally is interested in, in tagging Chewy, uh, is that an animal that you guys still have available? And then we can coordinate transfer um, and the transport of that animal as well.
1: Yeah, so that's a little different. You know, it's really about what's best for the animals, the organizations, and then your volunteers, right? The fosters. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing, uh, sharing with us that process and that sure. program. Um, now, the last one that I definitely want to get to here before we start to wrap things up is the Pet Food Bank. I think I saw somewhere on your website that this is a year-round program that you guys have? That's correct.
0: Yeah, so we um, have a a partnership with the Food Bank of the Rockies which is our local um, larger food bank and they act as our distribution partner for our pet food drive and so what we do is we work with local shelter um, actually we lo- work with local pet stores um, and with local distributors of pet food to take any of their bags that are nearing expiration that are open um, or just things that are donated through the community as well Um, And then with our distributors, um, we can also purchase that at wholesale prices. So we work on getting the pet food delivered to the food bank through all of those partnerships. And then the food bank actually will work on the distribution. So anybody that has access to the food bank, um, we would like to get to the point where they have access to pet food. So that we're never having people get to a place of needing to choose between their pet and their next meal. Um, a lot of the people that are utilizing um, this program right now what we've heard from the food bank is a lot of elderly people who have companion animals um, and a lot of families as well so it's really something they estimate the need at about 20,000 pounds of pet food a month um, right now we are not even close to covering that um, we're looking at about two to five thousand pounds a month through our program but we're definitely working on ramping that up and seeing what we can do to meet our community's need in that respect. But we really never want someone to have to make that choice between um, taking their pet to a shelter if it's just a matter of being able to feed them or get through a really tough time in their life. Um, We really see this as an opportunity to keep pets with their loving families.
1: That's very cool and I love the investment that you guys are are making in that and you recognize that there, there is a problem in the communities. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We're excited to get it ramped up in the coming years.
1: So I know as we start to get to the end of our time, um, I want to really just kind of quickly talk about um, any future plans you have or any programs uh, that you want people to know about uh, that are coming up this year.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a couple of the programs that people can know about and, um, you know, we welcome people if they like the idea to, to take it and run with it in their own communities too. But we have, a big race in Colorado, um, in Denver specifically, called the Colfax Marathon. Um, and it's something that we've partnered with for the last five years. We have really used that as a chance to engage runners in our community um, on behalf of POSCO. And so people can do 5K, 10K, relay a half marathon or a full marathon and choose POSCO as their charity partner. Um, and we you know, provide POSCO swag, we do POSCO run clubs leading up to it. Um, and the event is May 19th, 2019, in this year, but we do it each year. Um, so it's a great opportunity for us to just have a little bit of fun and engage some people who love animals. Um, so that's a really neat one coming up. And then uh, we just talked about the Pet Food Drive as an ongoing program, but each November, we also do um, a just a big splash event where we will raise food with our partners, um, our pet supply stores, um, for the entire month of November, and um, really get that to be an opportunity for us to fill an entire semi truck at the food bank full of food. Um, and it's just a great opportunity for us to draw awareness to it and remind people that you know, this time of year and of giving is um, a great time to be giving to your fellow humans, but also to your um, fellow animals and keeping them in their in their homes. Um, and then finally, an event that we do each year is um, each fall we host our larger scale gala Um, we call it our wags and whiskers soiree and that's an opportunity for people to get dressed up and to come out and support POSCO and the animals that we help so we would welcome anybody to engage with us on those and certainly if there are other people in other communities that are interested in doing any kind of events similar we will be more than happy to share what we do
1: uh, you guys are quite busy throughout the year. Uh, those don't sound like small events, and so <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of planning that that lead up to those. Yeah, Tiana, I really loved my my time in chatting with you, and I've learned a lot. And uh, I think you know what you guys are focusing on there uh, in Denver are, are, is pretty cool. Uh, and I hope other people will find it interesting as well, and and take upon themselves to to kind of grow their organization and and learn from what you guys have done in the, in the course of the last five and a half years. Um, so as we wrap things up, is there anything else you want to share with the listening audience? And then also, where can they reach you guys?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, so again, thank you so much for having me. Um, POSCO is an organization that's always looking to learn and get better. So definitely welcome any dialogue with any of my fellow animal welfare people um, if there are other things that people are thinking about or thoughts that you have as you listen to this program. Um, you know I think for us what makes us unique and what makes us an organization that just um, can continue to do work for animals is our team and I think everybody can say that, that their volunteers really are the heart and soul of their organization um, and POSCO is certainly no different. Um, we have an incredible team of people. and um, at our retreat, we, one of the things our team came away with was, you know, if you care, we want you on our team. And so I think that's one of those things that um, maybe we can all embrace is just that people come with lots of different talents and gifts, um, but there's really a place for everyone at the table in animal welfare. Um, and I think that we can all make a difference and all give what we can when we can. Um, so certainly we encourage anyone to reach out to our organization and get involved or um, collaborate with us in any way that you can think of. Um, people can reach us via our website, um, which is Pawsco, pawsc um, They can reach out via email at uh, director at org um, And there's a variety of social platforms. We have Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and our team's amazing, and I don't even know all of them. I think YouTube <laughs> and other things, so just look for us. Um, And certainly we would love to connect with um, our fellow animal welfare community and um, other partners, and certainly always welcome new people to get involved. Um, We're just a a bunch of volunteers who really care and want to use kind of our business background to make as big of a difference for animals as we can.
1: I love that, very nicely stated. And Tiana, thank you again for joining me today and uh, sharing with me everything that Posco does. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Rachel. It was great chatting with you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. If you're not already a member, join the ARPA to take advantage of all the resources we have to offer. And don't forget to sign up with DoBert.com. It's free and helps automate the most difficult tasks in animal rescue.